Thanks for joining us for another episode of Retire Smarter. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Tyler Emmerich, Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, a certified financial planner with offices in Northeast Ohio, Southwest Florida, and the greater Pittsburgh area. You can find us online at truewealthdesign.com. Got a great show for you today, one that you're going to want to hear. We're going to be talking about portfolio moves to be thinking about, pondering, or maybe you've already done that yourself, in light of fears of a recession. It's certainly been in the news a lot lately, and you've been probably hearing that question a lot if you've watched the news at all. Hey, is the U.S. economy heading toward a recession? I feel like I see that uh, on TV all the time on the evening news. Uh, It seems to be also a perennial question, uh, but it's undoubtedly been a hot topic this year. It seems like each and every week it's uh, kind of making more and more headlines. And so Tyler's going to talk us through some of the data and what it shows on how investment markets have performed in past recessions on the show today and whether being able to time recessions is likely to help your portfolio. So looking forward to the discussion. But first, Tyler, before we get into all the business on the show today, I hope you're doing well. Oh, hanging in there, Walt. Doing great. Weather's uh, weather's breaking here in uh, Northeast Ohio. I was actually able to get out and do a little bit of yard work over the weekend, which was great. Maybe bit off uh, a little bit more than I can chew <laughs> and feeling it now. But uh, seriously, no, folks, Tyler had end. to put down the chainsaw this morning to come record the <laughs> podcast. Did. That's like that's like a true story. <laughs> I did, I did. Um, for whatever reason, we've been getting just a, a number of windstorms around here uh, lately, and uh, of course, caught one of the older trees. And uh, yeah. I thought I could get out there and um, take care of it myself. And uh, boy, uh, my arms are, are, are feeling it today. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Can I tell but. you a very funny, quick story of, uh, oh, of when I, when I, when we had our first like uh, true home and it was in the woods and I, I was not a, I was not a great, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience of being a homeowner, especially with the heavy duty yard work equipment, all that kind of stuff. Just didn't have a lot of experience with it. Right. So Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I was like, all right, well, I got to start getting stuff. So, you know, you get a weed, a weed whacker and, you know, of course you get lawnmower and all that, but we had a lot mm-hmm. of trees on the property. Some of them had started to fall, a lot of limbs that needed cutting up. So, but I was very wary of, uh, of getting a chainsaw and I just wasn't in a tough guy mode of like, give me the biggest, best chainsaw. I was like, I need the thing that's going <laughs> to do the least damage on my body if I screw up because my middle name is accident waiting to happen. <laughs> and, and last thing I want is to bleed out in the backyard, uh, from a chainsaw breaking or something. <laughs> Isn't so that the truth? I just got like a, a, a battery chainsaw. Like it moves just fast enough mm-hmm. to get through a couple inches of wood, but you're not cutting through a humongous tree trunk with it, right? Small, small little, uh, you know, mm-hmm. stunted blade, all that good stuff. But for safety reasons, I get I get the chaps, you know, because you see all the guys with chainsaws on the TV <laughs> with chaps and everything. So I spend the money on chaps. So the first time I go out there to cut a tree, I'm wearing the chaps. I got the whole outfit on. Mm. I'm walking out there with my tiny little chainsaw, <laughs> and I go to start it for the oh, first boy. time, and I push the little button. It goes, wee, <laughs> <laughs> and it was so slow. <laughs> I felt so stupid in those chaps out there. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to do much damage. If it <laughs> uh, a video of that or a pic of that would have been great. Well, Connie was just somehow cracking, getting that posted uh, up. She was in the background <laughs> just losing it because she was like, you look ridiculous. 
<laughs> oh, I bet. So, hey, did you get the job done? That's what matters. We got the, did, did job, you get done. the job done. We got right. the job done. Yeah. So nice. Well, hey, on the other end. For you today. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the other end, I was pulling the motor trying to get it started. At least you could just hit a button. Maybe it didn't sound all strong, but that's right. You know, it took me ten minutes to get my chainsaw started. I, so. I wasn't worn out hey. before the job even began. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, well, that's that's, that's a good a good start. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. Heading in U.S. economy, heading towards a recession. You you nailed it, Walt. I mean, that's what we're going to dive into today. And speaking of I heading mean, into buzz saws, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh well, and, and we're getting inundated with it through the news cycle. I mean, shoot, if I asked you, Walt, throw one at me. It, what, what's going to lead us into the next recession, or what's the latest topic that you've heard uh, on the news that's going to he- uh, head us down that way? Oh, it's uh, all the debt conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excessive debt levels. Yeah. Financial imbalances is maybe how we refer to that. I mean, okay. excessive debt levels, asset price bubbles or vulnerabilities within the financial system uh, that can kind of undermine that economic stability. You know, I, I think if, if you're listening, think maybe 2008, great financial crisis and how the housing market and some of the mortgage-backed securities um, you know, spread uh, to the whole financial system and kind of threw us into that last recession. Absolutely. Uh, I think another one would be tightening monetary policy, which we've all felt felt this is where the Fed has aggressively raised interest rates and reduced its asset holdings uh, to combat or try to combat uh, inflationary pressures. And they could continue to do that. When I was talking to Kevin about this, he, he threw it out. It's like, yeah, it's like tightening it means taking away the punch bowl from the party. I thought that was a great way to explain it, right? <laughs> Life of the party, gone. Um, and now uh, everything comes to roost and uh, all the fun's out of it. But I feel I thought like that was there's a, nice a big party and uh, it's almost like a sporting event every time Powell takes the podium and people wonder what he's going to do and is it going to match it expectations is. or do something different. And people, mm-hmm. it's like, it almost feels like gambling and watching, you know, I don't know, watching. <laughs> a sporting event as people take bets on what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, well, and even still, I mean, built on like geopolitical tensions. I mean, we've got Russia invading Ukraine, heightened politi- heightened tensions between the U.S. and China. You know, and all these things through the news cycle can really be spun uh, negatively. Um, so I think it's rightfully so uh, that this question has probably come up, or at least a question about hey, recession, and let's talk about it as of late. I mean, I was um, I just started working with a, a family towards the end of last year. And we've done a lot of work over the last few months getting their plan in place and trying to get them to a place to where they felt comfortable. I mean, their end goal was they were hoping to retire sometime this year and they had just never done any planning. We we're trying to wrap their arms around the decision and just make and get comfortable with it. And we were getting to that meeting where I had all the plan results and I was so pumped and so excited. And I was like, yeah, you can do it. Um, I'm going to show you the data, all the work that we did on your spending and, you know, all this good stuff. Now's the, the fun conversation to be able to be like, hey, you know, get out and go. And and we were having it and, you know, they were really excited, super happy. And then all of a sudden the mood kind of changed. And he, uh, one of the spouses asked, well, how does a recession change this? Are we in trouble if we head into recession? Is mm. that, does that give us a 180 and, you know, kind of uh, you know, turn things upside down? Yeah, that so it sounds re- bad on the surface, right? Like, yeah, we're going to retire in a recession, like or or a possible or, or recession, or heading into it. It just yep. sounds bad, you know. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, well, and it's right where their mind was. I mean, it was definitely something that they've heard um, and they were thinking of, and that was top of mind. I mean, literally, it was right after. Hey, things are good. You can retire. Let's look at the numbers. Okay, well, but. 
what happens if we we are retiring at the wrong time. Um, so it's it, it really is. It's on the mind of of, of many of the families that uh, that we work with. So we wanted to spend a little bit of time and, and and talk through it. You know, a lot of times those conversations too. Once they start with recession, then they start leading to all right. Well, should we make portfolio changes or or should we go to cash? And you know, if I gave you a hypothetical, Walt, and was like, hey. Recession is coming with 100% certainty. And I could tell you the month that it was going to start. I'm curious, do you think that you could use that information, move some of your investments around and add value? Or maybe even put it a different way is, hey, you think you could beat the market if you knew exactly when that recession happened? And I might be setting you up here, obviously. Yeah, you're setting me up for failure. <laughs> I can certainly tell that because I'm going to say, yes, if you could tell me when these things were going to happen, I'd yeah, be like, yeah, then I'll, I'll use that information to, to beat the market. Why not? Right. Well, and I think if you, what's so interesting about some of the data that we're going to show is I think some of that data really says maybe the otherwise, even if you could perfectly time it, Mm. maybe your investment results, especially if you were thinking, hey, I'm going to take some risks off the table. I'm going to move all the way to cash and really try to time it. Then maybe those results won't come out the way that you were expecting. Because when you're making those changes, I mean, it's really being led by fear and being very concerned about market volatility and your assets you know, going down. And you're basing that off of, unlike the scenario I just gave you where I said, hey, with 100% certainty, this is when the recession is going to happen. Well, in the real life, we're using economic forecasts and models to help predict this. And well, good old Warren Buffett, when he was asked about economic forecasts and mo- models, he had a wonderful quote. He's like, well, they're they're worse than useless. <laughs> and wow. I was like, worse than loose, useless. Um, so That makes sense though, right? It, useless at least kind of doesn't hurt you. So worse than useless means it's actually hurting me. It's, it's, we're going negative. We're going the other direction. It, it completely. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it, I think the reason why he's doing that or the reason what stems from that conversation is, is he's done a lot of the work on the, well, the data. So if we dive into that a bit and, uh, the National Bureau of Economic Research did, uh, a lot of research, uh, going back all the way to like 1871 or so. Um, and really came up with when they look back through that data and research on the stock market returns, uh, they came to the conclusion that we've had about 30 recessions or we have had 30 recessions during that time period. Again, going all the way back to 1871. So a few hypothetical scenarios here to help kind of paint that picture and tell the story a bit. So, Let's assume that you could get out ahead of a recession and you took risks off the table and moved your money to cash. Would that be an effective strategy? Well, using their data on those 30 recessions going back to 1871, if you look about six months before the recession start, the stock market actually posted a positive return in 21 out of those 30 recessions. So that's about 70%, well, it is 70% of the time stock markets were positives in the six months leading up to a recession. And I think that's probably surprising to some families or some individuals listening. If we dig into it a little bit further and let's say, all right, well, what if you could time it exactly to the day? So let's say you knew the day that a recession was going to start and you knew the day that it was going to end. So essentially you could time it perfectly. And let's say you went all the to cash and you didn't leave any money in the stock market. Would you still come out ahead? Well, in actuality, 12 out of those 30 recessions, the stock market posted positive total returns during the recession. So it's almost half or 40% of the time, the stock market was actually positive while we were in a recession. 
And then finally, to help kind of pick the picture and close it out here, let's expand our time period out even a little bit further. And let's say we post our time period six months before the recession starts and six months after. So you sell out six months before, so you're a little early, and then you buy back in six months after the recession ends. During that particular time period, 22 of the 30 time periods actually posted positive returns. So we're over 70% of the time. If you were to sell out six months before a recession happens and then buy back in six months after, you would be in worse off shape uh, because there were positive stock market returns. And if you dig into the numbers a little bit more, the median total return over those periods was 16%. I mean, I know cash is paying pretty good right now, Walt, but I don't think it's anywhere near 16%, (laughs) right? So that going back to good old Warren Buffett and that simple yet eloquent quote of a economic forecasts are worse than useless. I think he's using that data um, to help reiterate his point that, boy, it's hard. And I think most families, if you were to ask them when they think the term recession, I think they're thinking, hey, really negative performance and poor performance in the uh, stock market overall. But when you look back through the data, it's maybe not that clear um, and not that exact that, hey, the stock market's going to go down even if we're in a recession. Kind of surprising, but there are, I guess, uh, one thing that jumps out to me in normal times, when we talk about timing the market, we always say you got to be right twice, right? You got to be right Mm -hmm. when you sell, right when you buy back in. And now you're actually having to be right about four things, not only getting in and out of the market itself, but also predicting the beginning and the end of the recession, which is different from just the movement of the stock market, not completely correlated as this really proves. And then even the timing of like how far in advance of the recession and behind the recession or before the recession's done, you, you can't possibly time all of those things just perfectly, especially when you have people saying uh, on the news, you go back to kind of just what people are hearing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard the statement many times before, not only are we in a recession, but a lot of pundits are throwing out there, well, we've probably been in a recession for X amount of months <laughs> already. And, mm-hmm. you know, or we're probably already in a recession starting now, or, you know, they're already taking stabs and guesses at, you know, where we might be along that time period. And yeah, how can you possibly be right on all those things? Yeah, timing is important, but even bringing it back still and go one step further on your comments, Walt, it's like, even if you time it right, there's no guarantee that having your money out of the stock market is going to produce better outcomes than just staying invested and riding the course. I mean, again, 40% of the time during that recession, stock market performance is positive. Um, and you would have had positive return during that recession. So I just think there's a better approach in trying to time it just really rarely, rarely works. And you'd have to, you know, even if your crystal ball was somewhat close, very, very difficult. So Of course, we think there's just a much, much better approach to portfolio management and a much more disciplined approach. And I think it starts with uh, connecting your portfolio to your financial plan. You know, we're plan first financial advisors here at True Wealth Design. And I think taking that approach really helps you during times of a really volatile volatile market. Because if you can clearly see how your portfolio relates to your financial plan, I think it empowers you to make smarter and maybe even most importantly, less emotional decisions. So when you ask yourself or you're starting to think about your portfolio um, and you're starting to build it and you're doing some retirement plan or whatever the case may be, and you start to ask yourself, well, hey, do you understand how you're currently invested? 
do you understand how much risk you're taking on, right? Or maybe even something along the lines of, you know, how are your investments aligned to support your financial plan? You know, these are all, you know, great questions. But if but if your main question or your crux of your portfolio construction was, well, oh, I filled out a questionnaire and it told me that I'm moderate or it told me that I'm conservative, I don't feel like that's taking it far enough. Um, and I think it's setting yourself up to get caught up in some of the emotional aspects of investing and volatility and you know maybe even putting yourself in a situation where you might have some bad outcomes um you know i sit down with families all the time where we start to having a conversation around risk and you know i get the old adage of hey i'm a conservative investor um we want to take a safer approach but really what is that comment telling me or what does it tell you when you say that and when we dive down and kind of peel back the onion a bit a lot of times i think what we'll find is is that that means a very different things to whoever you're talking to, right. you know, and, and putting what, a one dollar person's amount moderate or conservative is somebody else's super aggressive approach. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and putting a dollar amount to it, right? Well, okay, like uh, never comfortable for losses, but most importantly, when will you start feeling uncomfortable? Is that if your portfolio is down fifty grand? 250 grand, 400 grand, you know, what, what is that volatility and what do those losses mean from an emotional standpoint in the way that you approach your financial planning and investment construction? So we feel in our method, uh, we've covered many a times on the, on the podcasts. Um, we call it our retire smarter solution. I think we dove into it. What was it like episode 45 or so? It, we yep. can post it in if I'm, if I'm wrong on that. Yeah. Back um, in 45, we can link to it in the, uh, in the show notes so people can find it easily. Absolutely. But you know, when we get down and we start that approach, one of the first things that we start with, we call it the lifestyle analyzer. And it's really taking a look of, well, what's your spending look like? What are your goals? How do you plan to use your assets? Um, because that's where it, that's where it's going to start because then we can use that data, um, to start going in and do that next step, which we call the risk mitigator, which is really going in and stress testing your plan results against lifestyle risk. Hey, what is if your account was down X dollar amount, would you have to change your spending? Would you not? The perfect example is when uh, the couple that I was talking about earlier that I started working with towards the end of uh, last year. And when we got and they asked about, well, what about the recession um, and how does that impact me? Well, from a planning standpoint, it was a nice, easy transition for me to say, well, let's let's test that. Let's let's take your portfolio as constructed and let's back test it and look at, well, how would it have reacted during the great financial crisis of 2008? How much would your assets have actually dipped? You know, in their scenario, they probably would have taken over a half a million dollar loss with the amount of risk that they were taking on. Um, but that number is important to wrap their arms around, but maybe more importantly, I was able to show them and say, well, okay, let's assume you did have a, over a half a million dollar loss in your assets. How does that impact what you're trying to accomplish from a retirement standpoint, from a goal standpoint? And in their case, it was very clear that that was going to have no impact on what they were trying to accomplish in retirement. Yes, it wouldn't feel good that they were down that much, but it would they would not have to change their spending and they would not have to change any of the goals that they had set for themselves. So when you approach it from that standpoint, and I think you can go into there with that comfortability, at least you can go into it with data and eyes wide open to say, hey, 
Yeah, as our portfolio as constructed, back tested against a bad market, this is the volatility we could expect. And yes, this isn't going to hurt our portfolio. So we're more likely to ride out those dips and get into a situation where we're trying to time it. As we kind of looked back through the data we just went through, but that's just not a good strategy. So it kind of keeps you from going down that, that dark path. But the way we kind of think about that risk, we think of it in like three R's to measure um, risk. So you got portfolio risk, um, which is that risk or the volatility that your portfolio would go through under certain market conditions. You got your risk capacity, meaning that, hey, if you were to lose this much, how does that impact your spending and what you're trying to accomplish in retirement? And then the third one would be required return, meaning that, all right, hey, on the assumptions that we were going through and making, what rate of return do you need to get on your money to kind of make the plan? And work. And we can use those in aggregate to get a much, much better picture and I think make much better decisions on our portfolio. You'll notice there is no R for recession. It's not, it doesn't really enter the equation, Walt, uh, really at all. Okay, very good. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So we don't we don't have to make this the four R's, which is that, <laughs> not, so, sounds not like that's the good news. So, um, so it sounds then, like we should alleviate our fears a little bit of that beginning question that you had. When if we take this approach in this process, we don't have to go into this whole recession thing with this mindset of oh my god, I'm retiring in a recession. This is a big worry. Mm -hmm. Or if you have those fears, you can know that you would understand, well, what's going to happen with your assets? What's going to happen with your portfolio? Should you go under that? And are you okay with that worst case scenario? And I think that's the key. And because if you're not okay with what would happen in your portfolio under one of those stress tests or worst case scenarios, well, then now's the time to make the change, not while the news cycle is hot and heavy with recession fears and or after the market has dropped or whatever the case may be. And I think that's a, another key part of this process is, you know, we go through and as we're moving through and We've taken a look at your lifestyle, uh, analyzed where we mitigated some of those risks and look there. Then we can turn our attention to actually the investment evaluator, taking a look in it, at your actual portfolio and saying, hey, is there a better approach to constructing the portfolio itself? And we always go back on having some type of science-based and process-driven approach is key. At the end of the day, our goal is to take the emotion out of investment selection and management and use data and a process to make your buy and sell decisions or what investments should be added to your particular portfolio. And if you don't have a process in place for selling investments or rebalancing the portfolio or using your investment selection, well, then the question becomes is, how are you making those decisions? And will emotion creep in? I mean, it's we're all human. It's going to be impossible to kind of keep it out if we don't, you know, set the guidelines and set the rules up front. Um, so that way we can follow them and uh, you know, get ourselves to better outcomes in the long run. Very good. Now, and we, we do a deep dive on that right in episodes, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was 27 to 30, did a series about that nice. investing process and a little bit deeper dive into all those moving parts. Oh, that's great. Yes. If you can go back and check those out, especially if you're looking for a little bit more information on just our, our, our process in general. Um, yeah, that, that, that's great. Um, appreciate you adding that in there, Walt. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's, it should be apparent that the stock market and the economy doesn't always move together. Um, and the stock market is forward looking, uh, yet predicting and timing a recession in advance hasn't necessarily related to, you know, winning portfolio. So for the vast majority of listeners out there, probably sitting tight is the right decision, but to get there, 
you got to understand and you got we're assuming that you've already have a well diversified science based process driven investment strategy i mean the investment strategy should also be aligned with your financial goals and cash flow needs and of course if you can throw in a tax smart overlay in there that helps as well and obviously that's what we do for our clients uh when we're customizing their retire smarter solution Okay, very good. So kind of to, to close all this out, what, what to do if you find yourself sort of pondering that question of how to approach a recession, how to react if you think we're in one right now, we're <laughs> approaching one on the precipice at least, or maybe even think we're at the tail end of it by the time we actually see the data and think, uh, you know, we're going to try and determine something and we might look back and say, don't they do that throughout history, Tyler? Look back and say, well, we, we actually ended up having a, a, a small recession or something like that if we actually go back and look at the data once all the numbers are finalized. Maybe it's in slightly more real time these days than it used to be. But if people are thinking in some way, shape or form that we're going through that and they're wondering how to react, what are your kind of final thoughts on on steps to take or ways to kind of process all this? Start with a financial plan. And if you don't know where to start with creating a financial plan, you know, seek out help. You know, I think we would be more than happy to have a conversation if you've never talked with any of the advisors here at True Wealth Design. Um, but it's really creating a financial plan, doing some of that legwork up front to understand what position that you're in. Um, and then from that plan, we can go down and start focusing in on the investments, start identifying, well, how much return do you need? And some of those R's that we had talked about earlier, um, and really get down and drill down into maybe more of the more granular items that would need to be done to actually create the portfolio. But you can't do that until you actually have a financial plan in place and understand where you're at. Um, and so I think that's key. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you know, finding someone that can help you do it. Well, you know how to do it, folks, if you've been a longtime listener to Retire Smarter. But if you're new to the show, here's how you can get in touch with Tyler Emmerich, Kevin Karoski, and the great team at True Wealth Design. You can actually set up a 15-minute call and find out if uh, you're a great fit to work with the True Wealth team and if they can help you. Just go to truewealthdesign.com, and you can click the Are We Right For You button uh, to schedule a time with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, just go to truewealthdesign.com and click on the are we right for you button. We'll link to that in the description of today's show. You can also call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. And that number is also in the description of today's show. Well, Tyler, great breakdown as we look at portfolio moves to make or think about or evaluate in light of recession fears. It Mm -hmm. it really was more of a to move or not to move kind of question Mm -hmm. about the recession, but appreciate you breaking it all down for us today. Oh, it was a pleasure. And hey, if you find a picture of those chaps, you'd be sure to send them over. <laughs> I might, might have been destroyed. Might have, might have been, uh, the pixels may be deleted at this point. But, uh, don't hold your breath on getting a copy back. But now, thanks again for the time. Go back and uh, grab your chainsaw, get back to work outside. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.